Hi gang, thanks for downloading this classic episode of News Fighters. Just a reminder, if you're looking for new original episodes of News Fighters, they're now over on the Irrational Fear podcast feed. So search for Irrational Fear on your podcasting app or go to irrationalfear.com for all new episodes of News Fighters. In the meantime, enjoy this classic News Fighters episode. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's least coherent podcast network. This is News Fighters. Where we fight the news so you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. G'day Fighters, welcome to News Fighters for today, May the 5th, 2021. News Fighters is a comedic look back at the week's news in Australia presented by me, Hobbit Edit Wacky Clips podcast boy, Dylan Bain. Coming up on today's show, I recap the huge Tasmanian election result. (coughs) And also, Beck Melrose stops by to discuss Scott Morrison's Christian Church conference speech. But first... It's my favourite time of the year again, Beef Week. Beef Week is well and truly underway in Rockhampton. It's been great to see here at Beef Week over these last few years in between Beef Weeks, and particularly here in Beef Week. Beef Week. Beef Week. Here in Beef Week. (laughs) Beef Week. Beef Week. Beef Week. Beef Week. The focus of the week, of course, is beef. Well, thanks for explaining that. I honestly had no idea what Beef Week was all about, but it turns out for some people it wasn't just about eating the beef. We're seeing some pictures of some fine looking cows. For those who are at home and have not been here before, we're surrounded by people who are grooming their cattle at the moment. Please stop grooming the cows. They cannot consent. Oh, but I'll tell you one person who was immensely proud of their own beef week pun, and that was the Today Show's Carl Stefanovic when he was interviewing the Prime Minister. Beef week, uh, as we can hear behind you, there's an awful lot of bull. Um... Of course, the biggest story of the past few days has revolved around a country that hates beef but loves cows, India. As of today, it is officially illegal for an Australian citizen to return home from India. The federal government has banned anyone from entering Australia if they've been in the country within 14 days. The crime punishable by five years jail and fines of up to $66,000. Even Iraq is evacuating around 1,000 of its citizens from New Delhi, while our government has threatened our people 
with five years jail. Yes, Australia once again being out-humanitarianised in a global disaster by that lefty Northern European socialist utopia of Iraq. Yes, it's unconscionable that we're abandoning Australian citizens in the middle of a global health emergency to a collapsing third world health system. I mean, we didn't uh, abandon Aussies when they were left to the collapsing third world health system in the USA. And as I predicted last year, that with the pandemic stopping immigrants coming into Australia, the government would have to wind up being racist towards its own citizens. And that's exactly what they've done here. Now, with this new India ban, the Australian government has had to re-re-edit their old advertising campaign that was designed to deter boat people from travelling to Australia. Let's have a listen. If you haven't already heard, the rules have changed. If you're an Australian citizen wanting to return home during an unprecedented international health crisis, go to horny jail. I don't know how, I don't think it's horny jail. I think it's just regular jail. Look, the one uh, slightly positive thing to come out of this unfolding tragedy is uh, it's finally got all the right-wing shock jocks to realise and admit that Australia is a racist country that regularly implements racist policies in the name of border security. Here's Andrew Bolt getting accidentally left wing on Sky News. And I think uh, we're just letting people in the lurch and I cannot help but think the fact that they're Indian born is a factor in this and shame on us. I don't know that those factors that apply if people were coming from visiting relatives, sick relatives, going to a funeral in England or something like that. So I do think The politicians may not be doing this for racist motives, but they're allowed to get away with it because I think in part racism. And geez, Andrew Bolt, if you're looking for someone to blame for for whipping up racist attitudes in Australia, well, there's this guy on Sky News you really ought to check out. Although we're now importing an incredible 200,000 people a year, 200,000 migrants. They're not making us much richer per head of population. Biker gangs. Nomad, Hells Angels, Bandidos. They've got a lot of Lebanese members. African gangs, a couple of weeks ago, robbed four Officeworks stores. Yes, on the Ray Hadley show, Scott Morrison defended the India ban. Australia is living at the moment like few countries in the world. Mm. And I'm not going to put that at risk. And that means taking some hard calls like this. But we will do it compassionately. I mean, I think we all agree that we want to keep Australia free of COVID. But what's compassionate? about leaving Australian citizens in... Sorry, what's it called, Channel 9? Hell on Earth. Yes, Hell on Earth. Doesn't sound like a very compassionate place. And in some classic political doublespeak, Morrison argued that to keep Australians safe, we need to keep Australians in danger. What we want, Carl, is for people who have been in India in the last 14 days to not make their way back to Australia at at this present time because it puts Australia at risk. This is what you have to do to keep Australia safe during COVID, Carl. Ooh, two Carls in one sentence. You know Scott Morrison is agitated. After much public outrage, Scott Morrison changed his tune on Tuesday, saying people returning from India probably won't face jail. Okay, so to be clear, you're now saying that no one will go to jail or be fined. Is that right? Well, I I think it's highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. This sudden backtrack on the India policy came as quite a surprise to Jonathan Kersley at Channel 9, it seems. He just wanted to keep talking about Beef Week. Jonathan, what's changed? 
Quite simply, Mark, one day has changed a little more than 24 hours after this powerful measure came into effect. The Prime Minister is hanging out with bulls in Queensland at a beef expo, but rather than beefing up his support for his own powers, he appears to be backing away and backing away quickly. Well, good thing uh, Jonathan Kersley wasn't asked to immediately cover a plane crash or a terrorist attack, or he would have been struggling to get in those beef week and cow puns. It would have been utterly ridiculous, what do you think? Glad he didn't have to uh, brisket. And finally, in terms of what the government should do, I once again regret to announce that I agree with Andrew Bolt on something. But I can't believe that this country is so hopeless that it cannot set up a quarantine system to deal with this. Are we so dumb or lazy to figure a way to do this safely? I can't believe that Andrew Bolt has never realised that when this government has to choose between solving a problem with an expensive and complex solution or just being racist, it'll always choose the easier option. And shame on us. Yes, and if Beef Week wasn't exciting enough, get ready, because the excitement continues as here on Newsfighters, we're covering yet another state election. Liberal Premier Peter Gutwin has claimed victory in the Tasmanian state election following the trend of voters around the country sticking with what they know in the wake of the COVID pandemic. The Tasmanian Premier, now the fifth incumbent leader, returned to Australian government since the pandemic began. Yes, and it's the only time of the year you can literally ask ABC election analyst Anthony Green to show us his map of Tassie. Tasmania uses the same five electorates for its state elections as it does at its federal. So we have Bass, Braddon, which are the two key seats of <coughs> elections, then Lyons, Franklin and Clark. Um, Clark used to be known as Denison, and the drinking game tonight is anyone says Denison, you can have, you know. No, that's wrong. I'm sorry. Everyone knows the only drinking game on election night is sculling your drink every time Anthony Green gets flustered at his own touchscreen. Usually there's a little bit of a, a lag in the updates as they come through. No, they're not updating. At the moment, we're giving, um, oh, that's the same votes that's got to the chamber. Uh, let me see. This is the leaders display here. Let me get rid of that. Leaders. I think I've broken it. Yes, now, Liberal Premier Peter Gutwin, who looks a little bit like Peter Garrett if he was a high school principal, uh, called the election a year early to try and capitalise on his government's handling of COVID, with which Tasmania being the prison island of the prison island of Australia was unsurprisingly good. As you heard, he romped at home. Here's some of his uh, victory speech on election night. Jobs have returned to pre-pandemic levels. And even today... I'm pleased to say that there are more Tasmanians in work right now than what there were before the pandemic hit. Yes, and that's probably because there's more people living in Tasmania now than before the pandemic hit. Fun fact, everyone who's ever visited there wants to move there. And during COVID, they sure did. Oh, look, honey, Hobart has affordable big houses, incredible nature, world-class music festivals, decent coffee, great beer, ubiquitous MBN, climate change isn't having a massive impact yet. And it has an art gallery with a machine that poops itself. It is a machine that gets fed twice a day and poops it out on the other end in this glass container. Let's book the movers now. Well, to the exciting election campaign itself and... Nobody in Tasmania seemed very interested, as confirmed by Jackie Lambie and some locals on the street. What's your sense on the ground? Is it, is it going to be a close election tonight? Well, um, if you ask me, I couldn't actually tell you because no one seems to have much interest in on it. So I think if you don't vote, then you shouldn't have an opinion. Are you just super keen? 
not really. It hasn't, it hasn't given me much interest at all. No interest at all? I mean, it's Tasmania. Surely not all the policies were about small, minor, insignificant stuff like boat ramps, swimming pool upgrades and beekeeping, were they? Oh, oh, wait, they were. Labor has announced it will invest an additional $2 million to upgrade boat ramps. The Premier making poolside promises. We're going to provide $3 million to ensure that we can upgrade the pool area. The Greens also want to target illegal firewood harvesting and improve forest accessibility for beekeepers. It maintains existing access for beekeepers to all of our forest. But being a state election, uh, healthcare, of course, was also a big issue. Peter Gatwin also responding to reports reports a patient at the Royal Hobart Hospital was given a bucket to use for a toilet. I haven't heard that. Pooing in a bucket in Hobart? I mean, that's more of a Bernie thing, really. I mean, if someone in Hobart wants to watch that, they'll just pay $30 to go to the Mona Gallery, watch a machine do it. And of course, with everyone moving to Tasmania, housing affordability and homelessness has become a big state issue due to a lack of social housing, which uh, Liberal Tasmanian Senator and happiest skeleton in the world, Erica Betts, tried to deny and defend on Sky News. A lot of social housing with federal and state money, and that is increasing all the time, and the number of houses is increasing. Okay. But why of course, so our many population living in cars? And why are there so many homeless people, more homeless people in Tasmania now than ever before. And it's just increasing. Yeah, because because of a housing shortage. Yes, when you're looking for something to blame the shortage of housing on, why not try blaming the housing shortage? Foolproof. It's like blaming the drought on a water shortage. Technically correct. Being a state election, the campaign itself, of course, had its fair share of dramas. A uh, Labor candidate stood down over seven-year-old text messages to a friend. Labor State Party President Ben McGregor, well, he sensationally quit as a candidate for the seat of Clark over alleged inappropriate texts sent to a female friend. These messages happened six or seven years ago. Now, he says it was a, a conversation amongst a group of friends um, and that one of the friends was offended. He had since apologised to that person who had accepted his apology. Meanwhile, on the other side of politics, a Liberal candidate was allegedly caught catfishing interstate lovers on a dating app using a faked identity while also facing firearm charges. And the Liberals, of course, were like, well, well, he can't be expected to stand down. He's, he's got to stay. The Premier forced to address allegations. Braddon candidate Adam Brooks used a fake identity to start a relationship with a Melbourne woman, which claims he even doctored a driver's licence. Look, I've got more important things to worry about uh, than Mr Brooks's love life. Mr Brooks has categorically denied uh, that those profiles are his. Mr Brooks is already facing court on charges of incorrectly storing ammunition. Well, thankfully, I guess this means I can finally fulfil my ambition of running for the Tasmanian Liberals, even if someone does find my 2004 Live Journal site, where I'm called Mr Hot Guy 2000. One great Tassie anachronism which featured in the election night coverage was the use of an old-fashioned tally room where the results come in for the assembled media, something we haven't had in a federal election since 2007, and boy... Weren't the locals proud? Hello and welcome to the ABC Election Centre, live from the last tally room in Australia. Andrea Crothers is at Tasmania's famous tally room. In the last remaining tally room of the country, excitement was in the air. You know, this is the last remaining tally room in Australia where the public are also allowed to come, allowed to come along and see the votes as they fall, the thrills and spills as those seats get put in. Oh yes, excitement and thrills and spills. Uh, give us some of those thrills and spills now, Wendy. 
Wien News. Hi, I'm Elliot. You're watching Wien News. We're giving you an update uh, this evening from the tally room. I'm here with Mike Dutta, one of our independent candidates. Mike, how are you feeling this evening? Well, I am uh, feeling confident that uh, hopefully one of the independents will get in. And what have you been up to today? Where did you go to vote? Well, I went to the Golden, uh, Golden Street uh, Primary School to vote. Uh, because I met up with my daughter and my wife and we uh, did the voting there. Wonderful. And what's your plan for this evening? Well, we'll just see how things go. Oh my God, that's so boring. Next thing you'll tell me... uh Tasmanian politics is so staid that a, a legitimate, hard-hitting political question on an ABC breakfast radio interview would be like, did you have breakfast or something? And Labor leader Rebecca White also had an early start, hitting the airwaves to sell Labor's health and housing plans. Have you had brekkie this morning yet? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> All right, look, boring state issues aside, there of course could be some federal implications from this minor state election. Tasmania is home to some of Australia's swingiest swing seats. You might remember John Howard famously won the 2004 election, largely thanks to his last-minute campaigning and winning over the loggers there, who supposedly all wanted to fell his eyebrows. And this Liberal victory could be a good omen for Scott Morrison for whenever he decides to call the federal election in the next 12 months. Tasmania's state Liberal popularity is a promising sign. On the state results, if that were to be translated... Uh, one would imagine that the Liberals would win those three seats, uh, Braden, Bass and Lyons. And in what could perhaps be the greatest preview of the upcoming federal election, losing Tasmanian Labor leader Rebecca White gave us a very indicative preview of what Anthony Albanese's concession speech could sound like. All around the country we've seen incumbent governments rewarded for their management of COVID-19. And there is no doubt that Peter Gutwin and our public health officials kept our community safe and tonight's result reflects that. All right, summing up this election. Well, sorry if there's no housing left in Tasmania, but thanks to seven years of Liberal governments, you can at least be thankful that you've got... A bucket to use for a toilet. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, joining me now on News Fighters is Beck Melrose, our regular news correspondent with her monthly look at what's been happening. Beck, uh, what caught your eye this week? Oh, lots of things have caught my eye this week, but there was a big pink moon this week that could be seen from the inner west of Sydney, but enough about my butt. Hey! <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of week I've had recovering from comedy festivals, so this is going to be interesting. Uh, um, looking at world news, uh, there's been a lot going on. Uh, Boris Johnson's been in the news uh, with a bit of scandal there. Can you tell me what, what's been happening? Yeah, so mini scandal for Bojo. Uh, this absolutely cracked me up this week. They're, they've actually discovered that his phone number had been publicly listed online for 15 years. Oh, dear. <laughs> Apparently he was the media contact on an old press release or something like that. And he, and he had the same number for fifteen the last 15 years, still has the same number. Yeah, well, he obviously – I mean, he's loyal. He's loyal to his carrier. Let's, let's put clearly, it that way. Clearly he must be on a pretty good family plan for all the unknown number of children he has. <laughs> <laughs> Very good family plan. Yes. Uh, moving locally, uh, Scott Morrison has been under a bit of fire lately uh, for something I haven't actually talked about on the show yet, which was um, his speech to the National Conference of Christian Churches. Now, fill us in. What's what's all this? What's all this story about? Yeah, so he's copped a bit of flack for a talk that he gave that went into a bit more detail into his Pentecostal beliefs. And, you know, I'll be clear, everyone has a right to believe what they want to, even if it feels a bit cooked to you. But I do want to talk about it because I think it raises some interesting questions about what we expect of our leaders in Australia. Mm-hmm. And whether you share his beliefs or not, there's an interesting discussion around how they play out in our democracy, I think. Uh, there's definitely a worrying line for me in the abrogating of responsibility to the divine, like growing the church is going to be the, the answer to all of our problems. And at this stage, I don't know about you, but I think we're less God help us and more God help us yes. <laughs> at this stage in human history. But having religious leaders isn't a new thing. Uh, there does seem to be a bit of suspicion and mystery around the whole Pentecostal thing yes, and how yeah. he's incorporated some of those practices. Like One of the things in this particular speech that he gave was a total read the room moment for me. He mentioned using uh, this laying of hands practice, which is pretty popular in Pentecostal mm. religions. Putting my hands on people in various places, laying hands on them and praying. Not very COVID safe, I think. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, it definitely violates the 1.5 metres rule, yep, I'd say. Yeah, yep. Also some consent issues there, probably. <laughs> totally, totally. And he said that he's used this technique as he's travelled around visiting people after natural disasters and whatnot. I don't know how he did it. He couldn't even get a handshake in Cabago. Yeah, maybe they knew what he was up to there. Yeah, probably. They were onto him. But it's a pretty creepy thing to do. Like you say, it, it's without someone's knowledge or consent. And mm. the timing. Can you believe the timing of this? Look, yeah, yeah. We haven't even recovered from a desk wanking scandal. It's probably not the best thing to be dropping right now. Oh, God. I mean, you know, people in disaster areas, what they need is they need some chakras. They need some yeah, religious yeah, auras. That's exactly – it's like, I don't have anywhere to sleep tonight, but give me that – Give me that <laughs> religious help. But imagine, imagine if God came back. I like. I love. I think about this all the time. Imagine if God came back to visit, like an undercover boss type Perfect, situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the show where the CEO goes undercover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there'd be people shifting in their seats if God came back to Parliament. So much of what they do goes against the Bible. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. You can't work on Sundays. You can't eat prawns. You're supposed to love thy neighbour, not roll thy neighbour under the bus, which mm-hmm. seems to be their go-to. And there's, you know, I reckon personally there's a bit of coveting of oxen going on in Parliament too. It'd Probably. have to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know my Bible, but you're not allowed. 
have I been have I been coveting oxen? Yeah, and that's oh, I'm in trouble. Look out. You need some laying of hands, I think. Yes. <laughs> Imagine God in question time. Just sitting there going, oh, I said blessed are the meek. <laughs> Where are all the meek dudes at? I'd be like, here's some coal. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. uh, the obvious one, of course, is the immigration policy because uh, I've always felt like that's not very religious, especially this week when it's illegal for Australians to return home from yeah, India. Right. I mean, that doesn't sound very Christian to me. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing about that in the Sermon on the Mount, was there? I, th- <laughs> I think every immigration policy has probably gone against the teachings of the mm. Bible. You know, th- there's no... Thou shalt useth one family as an example to deter us all others. <laughs> um, did he talk about anything else in terms of um, referring to faith or moments of faith uh, while he's been prime minister? Or yeah, so he was saying on election night that his own minister said to him, his church minister. Oh right, yes, minister, minister. There's that's, a more that's, important that's, one. Yeah, there yes. you go. It's the blurring of church and state again. <laughs> um, he said, "Use what God has put in your hands to do what God has put in your heart." I just wonder what God has put in His hands. <laughs> I think a lump of coal, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not a hose. Definitely not a hose. No, he doesn't hold a hose, <laughs> yeah. Scomo, does he? He doesn't. Uh, what else doesn't he hold? There's a whole list of things he doesn't hold. Yeah, responsibility. <laughs> I reckon whatever was put into his hands, he passed on to the states pretty quickly. Yep, yep. Defer. <laughs> yes, defer. And he talked about an early convo, too, that he had with Jenny's dad. Mm-hmm. And apparently in this convo, he said, I can't fix the world. I can't save the world. We both believe in someone who can. Yeah. And I reckon he was talking about Albo. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> That's my guess. Well, actually, probably actually more like the state premiers from what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> they got a lot on their shoulders, don't they? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the ones actually saving the, uh, <laughs> saving the country at the moment by the sounds of it. Okay, moving on to uh, back overseas to some world news. This week uh, we had Biden's uh, 100th day as president. He gave a big speech to a joint session of Congress. And a lot of people are saying, well, this is... This is looking a bit different to uh, Trump's first 100 days, isn't it? Well, what do you think? Yeah, I want to do a bit of a footy show stats report on Trump v. Biden, first 100 days. Oh, that'd be great. Um, so the whole first 100 days thing is apparently a thing because they have a slight spike in their approval rating. and yep, that the, kind of honeymoon period. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep, people yep. are pretty open to change. Yep. So here's, here's some stats. We had Biden at 53.8% approval rating versus Donald Trump's historic low at 42% in the first 100 days. Mm. And Biden peaked at 55 after he announced the stimulus package, which, you know, fair enough. Well, it's almost like competency in looking after people is popular. Hard to yeah, believe. Exactly. <laughs> so he's getting a check in the mail. <laughs> uh, so what so yeah, so what's what kind of things has Biden has Biden done? Yeah, well, lots, right? And we know he's done heaps of good stuff, but the one that caught my eye was that he added sesame to major allergens on food labeling, which is, you know, the huge step in saving the world we've all been oh, waiting dear. for. Is, is the stir fry and bagel lobby just <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's got to be careful of big sesame. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but overall, in terms of the first 100 days, has he has he done more than Trump? Yeah, so technically, no. He signed fewer bills, but okay. one was called the American Rescue Plan. So mm-hmm. I reckon that's probably got a bit of substance to it, considering he inherited a nation plagued by plague and yep. rioting and goodness knows what else. So I think that's got to be a bit meatier than the sesame seed bill. Hopefully, I think that will uh, get more news coverage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no one's talking about the sesame one. What's what's going on there? There's got to be some kind of sesame conspiracy. Maybe, maybe he's got a ven- maybe he's got a vendetta going back years. Yeah. When did that? When did <laughs> when did 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 his son die of sesame seed cancer? Uh, oh sesame God, seed allergy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's out to get yeah. sesame. What, sesame. What about executive orders? 
he's done 41 versus Trump's 32, but 19 More? of wow. those. Yeah, okay. right. But 19 were revocations of previous orders. So there's been a lot of take backsies okay. in the first 100 days. And I imagine a lot of those are about like toilet flushing sizes and showers yeah, yeah. and things if they were by Trump. Uh, well, any, uh, what, other, what, other, what other rules and, uh, and laws? Uh, a lot more mask wearing. Uh, yes. No, he's been yeah, big on that. Yeah, good on that. General deference to science, which has been nice to see. Controversial in America. Yeah. And it, it just feels like he's hit the ground running, right? Like, I, mm. I think, I don't know if you've been watching, but he literally did hit the ground running a few times. Yes. <laughs> he's been a lot, doing a lot of jogging into his presses, just trying to show his vitality. He hit the stairs running up the plane yeah, stairs. Yeah, he did do under Air Force yep, One. Yep, yep. Good on him. And what about vaccines? Yeah, so he said 100 million and he hit the 200 million, which was, you know, double what he'd initially promised, smashing mm. some KPIs, which is always good when you're, you're still in your, um, what mm-hmm. do you call it, when you're in a job, probation period. It, it would be, yeah, that's the yeah, three months, just at the end of his three-month yeah. probation period. I reckon we'll keep him. <laughs> I, I, I was actually really moved by the speech he gave to Congress this week where he said to transgender Americans that you, you're so brave, I want you to know your president has your back, which for me I was like, yes, thank goodness we are mm. having, seeing some change. Uh, and uh, we don't really do the 100 days thing in Australia, do we? No, it doesn't seem to be a thing, but ScoMo did say in his first 100 days that he doesn't want his agenda to be treated like a fast food meal. <laughs> Instead, it's there to be digested. And I guess, you know, if, you, if he's not careful, it's just going to go straight through him. <laughs> Pretty dodgy thing to say, given he came into leadership off the back of the Ingadine Macca's allegations. But anyway. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if ScoMo's diet is very digestible. It has a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> A lot of meat what and a lot of curries. Carbs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, speaking of um, Scott Morrison, I understand you've had some fun this week researching uh, his history a little bit about when he entered Parliament, yes? Yeah, yeah. So I was pretty inspired by the speech that he gave at the Church's Congress and I decided to do some digging into his maiden speech. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I found that it had quite a few parallels. With, it sounded like an Oscars acceptance speech in part, so I've come up with a little game for us to play, Dill, where... Uh, you're going to guess whether this is Scott Morrison's maiden speech yep. or an excerpt from an Oscars acceptance speech. Okay. Now, for context, when was when was ScoMo's maiden speech? Like, was it 2004, 2007, somewhere around there? Oh, something like that. You're testing yeah, yeah. my memory. <laughs> a few years ago now. A few years ago. A few years ago now. <laughs> Amazingly, he had the exact same amount of hair. Um, <laughs> that is the real miracle out of yeah, all of this. It really is. I mean, you know, God's, be God's doing something hands. there. Yeah. Um, all right. So, ScoMo versus Oscar speech. All right. So, you'll read the quote and I'll guess whether it's Scott Morrison or an Oscar, Oscar winner. Or an Oscar, Oscar winner. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. Okay. So, here's the first one. Mm-hmm. May God bless and guide us all in this place as we serve those who have had the good grace to send us here on their behalf. ScoMo's maiden speech or an Oscar's acceptance speech? I mean, it sounds more religious than anything I've ever heard at church, so I would have to say Scott Morrison, probably. <laughs> yeah, look, spot on. That was from Scotty's maiden speech. Does sound very much like something an actor would say, though. True, true. All right, next one. Mm-hmm. When I walk, I walk with God. He's always with me. He never leaves me, and he will shine the light on me. I mean, that sounds like Scott Morrison at a prayer breakfast or something, maybe? Oh, it does. But no, this is Joaquin Phoenix accepting for the Joker in 2020. <laughs> My goodness. All right, what about this one? Okay, next. Africa is a humanitarian tragedy on an unimaginable scale. It's a true moral crisis that eclipses all others. ScoMo's maiden speech? I can't imagine Scott Morrison ever pretending to care about Africa, so I'm going to say that's an Oscar speech. <laughs> Would you believe it? ScoMo's maiden speech. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Tackling the big issues. God remembered her faithfulness and blessed us with our miracle child. 
to whom I dedicate this speech today in the hope of an even better future for her and her generation. Ah, uh, that sounds like a Best Actress winner at the Oscars, I think. Oh, nope. Skomo's maiden speech. Oh. <laughs> Spicy. What about this one? Yep. We need to support leaders around the world who do not speak for the big polluters, but who speak for all of humanity. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm, I'm guessing that's Scott Morrison. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he would talk about big polluters at an Oscar speech. Yeah, right. He's doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> yep, yep. We've all heard the call to make poverty history. Let us do this by first making poverty our own personal business. Oscar's speech? Definitely not. Definitely not Scott Morrison. He's in the he's in the business of sending more people into poverty in Australia <laughs> with the jo- with the uh, with the uh, job seeker cuts. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not walking the talk because that was in his maiden speech. What? Right? Oh my goodness! You're not telling me Scott Morrison's being hypocritical here, are you? <laughs> Would you believe it, Dill? I am. Oh my goodness! All right, this one. This is this one's a special one. So, who quoted Bono? When the history books are written, our age will be remembered for what we did or did not do to put the fire out. Look, I know I know Scott Morrison's taste in music, so I reckon that's Scott Morrison. Hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. He was the only one who wasn't angry when that got downloaded to his iPhone. <laughs> Um, all right, that's all for this week. Thanks again, Beck Morrows. Thanks, Dill. Cheers. Bye. All right, everyone, that's News Fighters for today, the 5th of May, 2021. News Fighters is written, presented, and produced by me, Dylan Bain, for Sans Pants Radio. A big thank you to Beck Morrows for being on the show. Don't forget to follow her on Instagram at instagram.com slash beckmorrows to keep up to date with all her upcoming gigs and join us next week for a very special late night quick turnaround budget episode coming out the morning after the budget early wednesday morning late tuesday night tune in for that one and don't forget to click follow on spotify apple podcasts or your podcasting app you can watch all the episodes of the show on youtube and don't forget to hit subscribe we're at youtube.com slash newsfighters follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash newsfighters or twitter our handle is at newsfighters pod See you on budget night. Keep fighting and bye for now. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. The focus of the week, of course, is beef. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.